Amen. Thank you so much uh, for being here, although you probably didn't have much of a choice. Joshua chapter 40. Joshua, chap that's a great way to start. Some of you are wondering, what version of the Bible does that guy use? I was in Brother Shetler's Joshua class this morning, so I've got Joshua on the brain. There is no chapter 40 in Joshua, so go to Psalm 40. <laughs> Psalm 40. We'll just remain standing for the reading of God's Word this morning. Psalm 40, I'm going to begin reading in, in verse number 1. We notice in the title there, this is to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. And then verse number one, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear. That's interesting. The sense that we typically think of when we think of music is hearing. But here it says, He's put a new song in my mouth, even praising our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. And then verse 4, blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Let's have a word of prayer and you can be seated. Our Father, we want to thank you and praise you for who you are. Before we praise you for anything that you've done, we want to thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for your holiness and for your goodness and for your grace and mercy, for your love that all led to the pinnacle point in our life where we accepted you as our Savior in salvation, and we thank you for that gift also. Lord, as we turn our attention today to perhaps a topic that's extremely difficult for us to embrace in our Christian walk. I pray it should help us to learn today to embrace it, the seasons of waiting. Lord, even today, as we sang songs, we sang about your power. And it's difficult to reconcile in our mind how a, the creative power of God and the all-consuming power of God calls on us so often in our life to wait. But Lord, help us to be willing to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. This morning I want to preach to you a message that I've just entitled The Waiting Room. The Waiting Room. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. I can't stand it. It's not one of my favorite things to do. In fact, oftentimes after a service on Sunday, my family will start the trek home and we will decide where we want to stop and get a quick bite to eat based on the shortest line in the drive-thru. And we'll pass the first couple fast food places until we find one that has one car or fewer in it. Otherwise, we're eating cereal and milk when we get home. Why? Because we don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait. Well, there's somebody out there right now saying, well, Brother Reed, I like to wait. All right, let me rephrase that. No normal person likes to wait. No normal person likes to wait. And yet there are some places in life where waiting is actually tried to, it's set up for us to wait in a, a manner that is a little bit more tolerable. For instance, waiting rooms in hospitals, which we don't get to visit very much anymore, but waiting rooms in hospitals. I remember when my oldest, Morgan, she's 15, going to be 16 really soon, when she was just two years old, we took her to a hospital and she had to get some shots, so we took her to this uh, waiting room, waiting on shots. Talk about a horrible ending. 
But we're in this waiting room, and, you know, they've got little house for her to play, and they've got toys for her to play with. And, and so it, it's a room that was set up to help us with the, just waiting to, be, to allow the time to pass a little bit more quickly, I'd assume. But in this particular instance, we'd been working with Morgan on how to count. And so we would start, and we'd say one, and she'd say two, three, four in her sweet little two-year-old voice. Well, about that time when she was waiting in one of the houses, uh, or in the little houses there that uh, they had set up for her to play in, a nurse came out, and she called a patient, and she said, one, and Morgan said, two, three, four. Now, for me, I think it's incidences that, that, like that, that the Lord allows in our lives that allows waiting a little bit more tolerable. But I don't like to wait. I'm just, I'm not a fan. But we arrange our lives often around waiting. We take vacations and we arrange our vacations around waiting. Well, that and food, but waiting. You say, what do you mean by that? I remember a few years ago, we took my family, we went to Disneyland. Man, what a great place, huh? At Disneyland, we, we, we went to Disneyland and you know what we did at Disneyland? We waited. We waited. Now, I was reading statistics not too long ago. It said if a family were going to go to Disneyland, it was just for one day, and they wanted to maximize their time there. It said the average length spent at Disneyland for a day is about 12 hours, if they're only going to go for one day. And in those 12 hours, they normally, see, they normally ride or see about 14 different attractions in those 12 hours. The normal attraction lasts just under six minutes, whether it's a ride or a show, you average it together. It's just under six minutes. You say, why are you telling us these stats? Because I want to tell you that you paid obscene amounts of money to wait 90% of the time. You got ripped off doing it too. And you're still going to go back. <laughs> you know, we can wait when we realize the reward at the end. We can learn to wait when we realize the reward at the end. And we sang about the power of God this morning. And sometimes as I pray, I have difficulty reconciling how that all-consuming creative power of God who spoke the worlds into existence and spat out the seven seas, how he could call on us to wait at times. Can't you just forego those, those uncomfortable times of waiting? And I know it seems like a long time ago, but I was a college student once, and I know how difficult it is to wait as a college student. It's not easy to do that, but yet God frequently calls on us to wait. And so this morning, I want to take a look at this question from Psalm 40. What does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait? Because no, make no mistake about it, God often calls us into the season of the waiting room. And so what does it mean to wait. Well, I think to answer that question, we've got to set it up with this. The first thought is this, what waiting is not. We need to answer that question. What waiting is not. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 40. I waited patiently. All right, so I think of that phrase right there in that verse. I think the very first thing that I want to draw your attention to that waiting is not is this, because sometimes we, we're, we're wrong about our concept of waiting. Waiting is not inconvenient. Waiting is not inconvenient. The Bible says, I waited patiently. Waiting for what is necessary should never be counted as inconvenient. But yet we often think of waiting as inconvenient. We always do. 
I mean, we just, we just remembered the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And you know, I remember reading several years ago how that, on that particular day, there were fewer people in those towers than typically are in those towers on that day. And we don't know necessarily the reason why, but we hear testimony after testimony about how people were caught in traffic or how something came up and they weren't able to make it to work on time. And these are people that were, were typically on time to work. And you say, what, what happened there? Well, maybe they were sitting in their car and they were stalled at, at some sort of traffic jam. And, and in their mind and in their inconvenient mode of waiting, they're thinking, man, I'm so tired of waiting. I wish the traffic would speed up all along. It's God working in the background to slow people down from getting there. But sometimes we view those waiting periods as a time of inconvenience. And God says, no, it ought not be an inconvenient thing for us to wait. You wait patiently. James 1 reminds us that knowing this, that the trying of our faith work is patience. Uh, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. When the working of patience through the tool of waiting is perfecting us or maturing us, it should never be counted as inconvenient. So waiting is not inconvenient. Let me show you another one. Waiting is also not indecision. Waiting is not indecision. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited for the Lord. Waiting may be a season of deciding what the Lord specifically has for you or wants you to do, but it is not a season of whether or not you should trust him. Your decision still lies with the Lord and in the Lord. So we go to him. And we seek out what he wants us to do. It's not a season of just indecision. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know, the truth of the matter is, is we know right and wrong. We know right and wrong. Waiting is not indecision in the matters of right and wrong. Waiting is more of a time of perfection and maturing when it comes to decisions of good or best. By the way... You shouldn't have to receive biblical counseling in matters of right and wrong. You should know that. That godly counsel should come in situations where it's between good and best, not right and wrong. But waiting is not inconvenient. Waiting is not indecision. I like this one. Waiting is not inactivity. It's not inactivity. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me. And heard my cry. I understand that more as a father. How, how even myself, as I'm trying to listen to my four-year-old little girl, Ray, and she's talking to me, and I can't quite hear her, quite, can't quite understand her, especially since I'm, you know, the age I am now. I used to be excited about staying up after 10, too. I'm not anymore. Um, but I remember now, as my daughter speaks to me, sometimes I have to incline my ear to listen to her. And you know what I do? I literally bend over and incline my ear to her. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that's willing to bend over and listen to us? and incline his ear to us. But waiting is not inactivity. The implication here is we say that, the, that uh, David here under his spiritual spirit writes, he pay, waited patiently for the Lord, and, and it was the Lord that inclined into him. And the implication here is that David was actively pursuing God. Even in the season of waiting, he was still pursuing God. He was still talking to God. He was still developing his relationship to God, trying to get right, trying to stay right with God. Waiting is never a season of inactivity. Well, I'm just going to wait here and see what God has for me. Well, good, okay, but stay busy with what you know you should be doing, even in the waiting room of life. Waiting is not inactivity. Here's another one. Waiting is not inability. 
Waiting is not inability. Look at verse 2. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He established them. I'm, I, I am able to serve the Lord. He's equipped me in ways to move forward. He's established my goings. And so even in those seasons of waiting, even in the waiting room of life, we are still able bodies that God wants to use. He's equipped all of us to serve him. So I don't, I don't have much to offer the Lord. I can't sing. I can't, I'm, not, I'm not very confident speaking publicly. I can't, you know, I can't really put the, I, I'm not gifted in the area of administration. I can't put together a program. I struggle with those types of things. Hey, are you dependable? Are you available? Are you moldable? Then you've got necessary abilities to serve the Lord. Waiting is not inability. I wrote this one down. What waiting is not? It's not inconvenient. It's not indecision. It's not inactivity. And then finally, I wrote this one down. Waiting is not indifference. It's not indifference. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, I draw our attention to that verse. And while we were reading through it, because the, typically the sense associated with music is the sense of hearing, but here the psalmist said, many shall see it in here. It's almost as if that new song that God puts into our life is not just something that can be heard or should be heard, it's something that can be seen. It's not just the words that come out of our, our mouth, it's the way that we walk in life. It's something that can be seen. And I think of that, and I can't help that David, even in his season of waiting, wasn't indifferent toward the things of Christ. He wasn't apathetic. He didn't have that I don't care spirit. And sometimes waiting, if we're not careful, can lead to that. You can wait so long, and you can be in a, a, a season of waiting for so long that you typically allow apathy to set in. Oh, I've been waiting so long, I just don't care anymore. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. Do whatever it is you want to do. I don't care anymore. Hey, waiting is not to be a season of indifference. There is no season of apathy that should accompany the season of waiting. And so before we understand what it means to wait, we have to see what waiting is not. But there's a second question we got to entertain, what waiting is not. Here's a second one. Well, what is waiting? What, what is Waiting. Now we can come up with some long, drawn-out, working definition of what waiting is. But essentially, biblically, waiting is trusting. Waiting is trusting. I think, in fact, I think it's interesting that the same Hebrew word that's translated waiting here or waited here in verse 1 is also translated trust in the Old Testament. In fact, if you were to study Isaiah 51 verse 5, you would see two English words, wait and trust. In that same verse, both of them translated from the same Hebrew word. Waiting is trusting. Waiting is trusting. So, so what do we need to trust? Look at verse 4. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Waiting is trusting. Well, what do we trust? What is waiting? Waiting is trusting God's word. It's trusting God's word. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Notice the emphasis on trusting what God says over what man says. It doesn't matter how many uh, certificates he's got hanging on his wall, or how many accolades he has, or how many letters he's got attached to the end of his name. The pride of man is foolishness in the eyes of an omniscient God. We ought to trust God more than man. Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. 
And so what is waiting? Waiting is trusting, and we need to trust God's word. You know, at any time the children of Israel got themselves into trouble in the Old Testament, it's because they, they chose to trust really what man said or their own eyes over what the word of God said. And we need to learn to trust God's word even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we can't reconcile how it's all going to work out, we trust God's word. I appreciated the special today. His ways are higher than mine. And when I want to see a mountain move, sometimes says, no, you got to climb the mountain and get over it. Sometimes God says, pick up a shovel and start moving it. But we trust God's word no matter what he directs us to do. That's waiting. We trust God's word. What else do we do? We trust God's work. We trust his work. Look at verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works. Oh, we, see, we sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. But I wonder if you ever go through those times in life where you rehearse the blessings of God in such a way that you just remember how wonderful he is. We trust God's work. Hasn't he been good? And listen, listen to what it says. Many are thy wonderful works. Many. He, he does not withhold the grace of God from us, his goodness to us. He doesn't withhold it from us. He wants to give it to us liberally. Trusting God's work. And I think about what he's done at our church recently. And I, I have people, I've had pastors call me and say, they say, Brother Reed, how is that happening in Southern Oregon? And I gotta tell you, this is what I say to them. I don't know. I don't know. But as long, allow, as, long as the Lord continues to use us and allow us to move forward, we're gonna continue to move forward. But it was built on a foundation of wonderful things that God did in the past for our ministry also. And so we trust God's word, but we also trust God's work. When you rehearse what God's done in your life, isn't it worth it to continue trusting him in a season of waiting? Trust God's word, trust God's work, and then I wrote this one down. What is waiting? Trusting God's will. Trusting God's will. Look at this. Many, O Lord, are my, uh, o Lord my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to us word. Thy thoughts which are to us word. And I love some of the verses in scripture that talk about God's thoughts for us and God's plans toward us. And now he has directed a specific path which we call his will for our life. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. We, we heard it sung about with the special today. His ways are higher than mine. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And then look at verse 8 of Psalm 40. The Bible says, I delight to do thy will. Yea, thy law is within my heart. If we're going to wait effectively and efficiently, then we need to learn to trust God's will. Because in many ways, his will has called you to that season of waiting right now. And we need to learn to wait. By the way, in, in verse 8, you've got to see this, in verse 8 where it says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, the, thy law is within my heart. You cannot separate. You cannot separate God's will from God's word. God's word is his will for your life. And you cannot separate his will from his word. So be content to wait. 
Be content to wait. Oh, but sometimes I just get so impatient. Hey, the reward is worth it. I like strawberries, but not when they're green. I need to learn to wait for the right time to pick the strawberry so that it tastes good. When you pick something prematurely, you spit it out because of bitterness. And so we learn to wait. And waiting is trusting. You trust God's word. You trust God's work. You trust God's will. All right, so we know what waiting is not. We know what waiting is. Here's a fair question. Why does God make us wait? Why does God make us wait? Because, I mean, there's nobody here but us, so let's just be honest. We don't like to do it. I don't like to wait. So why does God make us wait? Well, look at verse 9 of Psalm 40. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord. Thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from, this, from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. And you can see here that in this season of waiting, David is allowing the Lord to work on him in such a way that this waiting has allowed God to deepen his compassion. Hey, why does God make us wait? Because waiting allows God to deepen our compassion for him and to deepen our compassion for others. David says, in the season of waiting, God, I've, I've continued to preach righteousness in the great congregation. I've not hid thy righteousness within my own heart. I've declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. And God, in the season of waiting, I've grown closer to you. And, and my, my compassion is deepened for you and for others. You know, oftentimes, waiting builds anticipation. The longest 11 months of my life was from August 20th, 1999, to July 21st, 2000. I said, when was that? It was when I was engaged. How many of you are engaged? All right, you're in the season of waiting. Of course. Long months, 11 months. Remember, can I tell you something in those 11 months? There was an anticipation, an appreciation, a compassion, and a love that was continuing to build. It was just continuing to build. And oftentimes, that waiting room, because God wants us to deepen our compassion, it allows our appreciation to build for what God's given us. So waiting allows God to deepen our compassion. What else? Why else do we wait? Why, do, why does God make us wait? It allows him to deepen our compassion, but it also allows God to develop our character. It allows God to develop our character. In James, we read that it builds patience, that patience have its perfect work. I'm tired of learning patience, God. Can't we move on to another one? But it builds patience. It gives us time to demonstrate and manifest the fruits of the Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? In Galatians, we read about the fruits of the Spirit. They're love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And what waiting does is it gives us opportunity to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. But you got to remember this. Fruit-bearing always implies time. 
It always implies time. And if we're going to grow in those areas of the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to have to enter into those seasons of waiting. We're going to have to spend time in the waiting room. Why? Because it allows God to develop our character. Why does God make us wait? Waiting allows God to deepen our compassion. Waiting allows God to to develop our character. Waiting allows God to direct our choices. To direct our choices. Look at verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Now it's obvious that that David is going to God really in some anguish saying, God, please, would you hurry up with this deliverance type thing? But all the while, if you read Psalm 40, and he continues to preach, and he continues to, to, to preach salvation and righteousness and not hide it and declare the salvation of the Lord to people, he's allowing the Lord to direct his choices, even if he doesn't realize it. Why? Because he's content to wait. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go into those seasons of waiting because, because he wants to direct our choices. As we were sitting in Brother Shetler's class this morning, and I was just, as a guest listening, I couldn't help but think how the children of Israel, they had to learn as they went into Jericho, total dependence on God. As they started their conquest of the promised land, they start with a big city like Jericho rather than a little one like AI. Why? Because they had to learn that total dependence on God. They had to know this, that, that God must direct their choices. There's no better place to be in this world than in a place of total dependence on God. Sometimes we enter into the waiting room of life because we need to learn to allow God to direct our choices. We want to get in such a hurry that we make choices that God knows will hinder us in our future ministry or will harm us in our future walk with him. And so he says, wait a second, slow down and let me direct your choices. Why does God make me wait? Because it allows God to deepen our compassion. It allows him to develop our character. And it allows him to direct our choices. Okay. All right. So we know what waiting is not. We know what waiting is. We've answered a few reasons why God makes us wait. So, Brother Reed, I'm I'm in a season of waiting. I'm in the waiting room. And, And in many respects, just by nature of being a student, you are in a season of waiting. What do I do while I wait? What do I do while I wait? This is going to sound like an oxymoron or some sort of paradox, but you ready? While you wait, stay busy. While you wait, stay busy. Let's go back to the text, Psalm 40. Look at verse 16. Let all those seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. David wasn't content to just sit around in that season of waiting. And that doesn't mean he was growing impatient necessarily, but he wasn't content just to sit around and do nothing. That's not waiting. Remember, waiting is not inactivity. But not only was he going to stay busy, he was also going to lead the children of Israel to also stay busy. Because he says in verse 16, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad. Lord, we might be in a season of waiting. I might be in a season of waiting individually. We as a children of Israel might be in a season of waiting corporately. But God, all those that seek, uh, seek thee, let them rejoice and be glad in thee. 
That is not an activity. What do I do when I wait? We stay busy. Stay busy doing what? Seeking the Lord. But that's what it says. Let all those that seek the Lord. Hey, stay busy seeking the Lord. What better time to grow in your depth of knowledge of who God is than in the waiting room of life? And as you engage in the waiting room, and notice the word engage. When, as you engage in the waiting room of life over these years that you're in college, what better time for you to deepen your knowledge of who God is than in the waiting room? What do I do while I wait? I, I seek the Lord. What do I do with that while I wait? I praise the Lord. I look at it, verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice. Let all those that seek thee rejoice. I so appreciated the corporate singing this morning. It was uplifting to me just to hear all the voices singing. And it wasn't like I heard anybody trying to hold back, even the people without good voices I heard. I'm just kidding. But it was beautiful. And while singing is only one way to praise the Lord, it is a great way to praise the Lord. Hey, in those seasons of waiting, what do I do while I wait? Seek the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 16. Let all those those seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Be satisfied in the Lord. In your season of waiting, stay busy seeking him. Stay busy praising him. Stay busy being satisfied in him and him alone. Don't find your identity in a relationship or in a job. When you are in the waiting room of life, be satisfied in Christ alone Whenever I, I'm counseling a married couple that might be struggling, the, the, the relationship that we need to work on isn't the one that, that they have together. It's the ones that they have with God. And we need to learn satisfaction in Christ alone. Uh, the Bible says, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. You're in the waiting room. Learn to be content in the Lord. Stay busy being content in the Lord. And then why? What do I do when I wait? Seek the Lord, praise the Lord, be satisfied in the Lord, and then finally glory, glorify. Glorify the Lord. And I like to draw just a little bit of a, a nuanced difference between praise and glorify. Glorify is really what we're responsible to do as believers, to glorify the Lord. How do I glorify the Lord? Well, what is glorifying the Lord? I, I just define it this way. Glorifying God is forming the correct opinion of who God is in the mind of other people. When I do that, I glorify the Lord. By the way that I live, by the way that I talk, the way that I act, the places I go, the things I watch, I want to form the right opinion of who God is in the mind of other people and bring him glory that way. Let's look at what Scripture says in verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice. So there's seek the Lord and praise the Lord and be glad in thee. There's be content in the Lord. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. God, if I could somehow just be a magnifying glass for who you are, then I'm glorifying you. And in the waiting room of life, we need to be busy glorifying God. What do you do? Since we wait so much, what do you do? You stay busy. You stay busy. I remember years ago seeing a, a, a skit 
And in this skit, there was a young man that was sitting by a table, and he was sitting by a phone. And there were a group of young people that walked by, and they called him. They said, hey, John, why don't you come with us? We're, we're, we're going to go to the church, and, and we're going to have service, and we're going to be there for the services, and why don't you come with us? And, and John, in his noble intention, said, no, 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 I'm going to stay here because, because God's going to give me his will. It's going to, the phone's going to ring. I'm going to answer, and I don't want to miss it, so I'm just going to sit here and wait till the phone rings. And so off they go. They go to the service, or Coming back, they pass again. They say, hey, John, come with us to the activity. Let's go to the activity, man. Let's do this. We're going we're gonna to go out. We're going we're gonna to pass out tracks. We're going to go door knocking. We're going to do this. And, and John says, no, 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 I can't go anywhere. I don't want to miss God's will. I'm going to stay right here by the phone so that when it rings, I can pick it up and answer. And so they said, okay. So they, they move on. They come back and say, John, have you gotten that phone call? He's like, no, not yet, but it's going to happen anytime. About that time, the phone rings. John picks up the phone and he listens intently for a couple seconds. And then he looks at the guy that had been active the whole time. Wanting him to join, wanting John to join him. And he hands him the receiver and says, it's for you. You see, waiting's not inactivity. You don't sit around and say, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. God's given you direction already. You know what to do. Oh, you may not know what to do four or five or six years down the road, but you know what to do today. You know what to do today. And if you want to be in the right place four or five years down the road, if you want to be in the right place, then do what you know you're supposed to do today. Say, wait a second, Brother Reed, that's so hard. Hey, I understand that. I get it. I have the wonderful privilege of pastoring Harvest Baptist in Medford, Oregon, and, and if you'd asked me 20 years ago where I'd be, I never would have said this place. Now, I had an opportunity when I was in college to intern at that church, and I remember as an intern, somebody asking me, what do you want to do? What, what is it that the Lord wants you to do? And I jokingly said, I want to pastor this church. And while I jokingly said it, man, my heart's desire was to pastor Harvest Baptist Temple way back when I was an intern. And so people ask me, well, how did you get there? How did you manipulate your way back? I say, I don't know. I said, but I do know what I did. Best I know how. And I wasn't perfect, but best I know how. Every day I just tried to do what was right. I just tried to do what was right every day. Whether it was in the season of waiting or not. I just tried to do what was right. If you would have told me when I was an intern that God was going to have me pastoring Harvest Baptist within the next 15, 20 years, I'd have been scared to death. There's no way. By the way, I wake up and sometimes I'm still scared. But I'd have been scared to death. A couple weeks ago, I was in Glacier National Park in Montana. I was with a group of guys, and we got together just for some refreshment. We got together just, for some, just, just to strengthen each other and we did some hiking. One of the hikings, I don't know if you can tell from that distance, it's probably a good thing, but I'm not in the best shape ever. But we did some hiking. We, one of the hikes that we went on, round trip, was about 15 miles. It takes me a year, typically, to go 15 miles. And that day, we did it in one day, in just a few hours. The elevation changed by about 3,500 feet. 
So it's complicated by the fact that you're going up. And I don't know how, I don't know how it happened, but it seemed like we were going up both ways. But we're just going up. You know, and I jokingly was telling some of the guys that had done this hike before that told me, oh, it's like a long walk. Liars. <laughs> but I said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me what we were getting into? I said, because we didn't want to talk you out of it. You know, I started thinking about that. That's exactly right. Had I, knew, had I known the entire picture of what we were going to be getting into at the beginning, I probably would have talked myself out of it with a spiritual reason. I got to study for the weekend, so I'm going to stay in my hotel room. You guys enjoy the hike. Tell me all about it when you get back. Take some pictures so I can Photoshop myself in it, and it looks like I went too. But I would have found some spiritual reason to not go, and I would have missed it because I enjoyed it. You know, sometimes I wonder, when we think of God's will, maybe he doesn't give us the entire picture at the beginning because he knows some of you will talk yourself out of it. Remember, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And whether it's the season of waiting or the season of just actively pursuing exactly what God wants you to do, that will is accomplished one step at a time. And waiting is trusting. And when you can't see the big picture, remember that his word is a lamp into our feet, our feet and a light into our path. You can see the next step. And that's the only one you're responsible for right now. Hey, college students, you don't need to be ready to take over a large ministry or plant a church or head to the mission field, you know what you need to be ready to do? You need to be ready to take the next step. That's it. Just take the next step. Some of you are in the waiting room of life and you've grown discontent waiting. Trust God. He deserves it. Rehearse his works in your mind. Trust his will for your life. Trust his word. And just stay busy 